What's up, brothers and sisters? Welcome to the Fireground Fitness Podcast, where we talk about all things pertaining to life on and off the fireground. The views and the opinions expressed are those of your host and my guest. Today, I've got a brother by the name of David Raman on the line. He wrote a great little book called Let It Go, and we talk about his book and so much more. I hope you enjoy. So, David, uh, thank you so much for giving me some of your time and, and sitting down and talking to me. And um, I just got done reading your book, Let It Go. And I want to talk to you about your book and um, the concepts and philosophies that are in there because they're fantastic. Um, but before we do that, I want to hear a little bit about you and where you grew up and your background and kind of what, what the path that you were on uh, that led you to uh, this book and to the, you know, cause I feel like writers, writers, write the books, write themselves, right. You, you the writers got to write. And so something led you down that path. Um, so, yes. so let's start. Where, where did you, um, where you, well, first of all, the minute you open your mouth, people are going to realize you're not, you're not from Arizona. <laughs> <laughs> yes, I'm not. Uh, first of all, thank you. Thank you, Rain, for having me on the show. Really, really appreciate it. Uh, now I'm here in the UK. Um, I live in Swansea, which is the city where Catherine Zeta-Jones, the actress, um, was born and, and grew up. So this is where I am. Uh, yeah, and I'm, I work as a, a coach and speaker and now author. So, yeah, excited to uh, be able to talk to you, right? Yeah. So have you lived in the UK your whole life? Yeah. Yeah, I was born here. Uh, I was born in Wales uh, in uh uh, a faraway galaxy in 1968. <laughs> <laughs> well, you're so, among, you're among friends. Yeah. You're my... <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Brilliant, brilliant. So, so t- tell me, about, okay, so I don't know. I think the majority of my uh, audience is here in, in the Southwest yeah. United States. So tell me a little bit about yeah. growing up in Swansea and uh, what what's that like? Yeah, well, I, I grew up... Um... To be honest, my father was a, a medical doctor, so uh, when we when we lived here, we lived here for a short period of time uh, before we moved to um, somewhere just outside of the city, the capital city called Cardiff. And yeah, it was it was good. It was in the, uh, I can remember the 1970s and more the 1980s growing up. Um, that's why I loved the 1980s music and oh, shows yeah. and movies. You what, know? what genre? I love all that. What genre of music? Um, you know, I, what genre of music? I like, you know, I, I like a lot of music. So I, I liked um, rock music at that time, pop music, um, you name it. I, I usually liked it, you know? Um, so I'm thinking, was, I'm thinking I think 80s, in those days, like we're talking like the police and the cult and, and um, oh, yes. that kind of stuff. Yes. Yeah, I loved all that, <laughs> grew up with that, you know, and it's just a great time and that you just knew what was, in the charts, you knew what was number one. Um, and that seems to have been lost now. I, I don't know any of the really new music. You yeah, know? I think that's got to but do. It was with, great. I think that's got to do with being a young teenager, right? You're just super dialed into yes. pop, pop culture, and it, it's funny because anytime, yes. like for me, uh, I was into uh, like um, <clears throat> kind of early eighty hip hop, so like Run DMC and yes. the Beastie Boys. Oh, and, right, yeah, that kind of stuff, yes. right? That was my. Like yeah. coming up, so yeah. so you know that's the kind of stuff when it comes on the radio, I can't stop myself from dancing, right? Like it, <laughs> it takes me right back. It takes me right back to my childhood. Oh, oh, it's brilliant, right? It's brilliant. <laughs> that's, that's, you know, it's it's nothing like music is to stir the soul. Nothing right. like this. Indeed. So, what was the what was it like growing up there in the uh, you know was it a, a, a big kind of music culture and and 
you know, big social culture there. Yeah. Kids. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, we have, in UK, we have pubs, mm-hmm. uh, like uh, clubs and um, growing up, you had this, at the time of the 80s, it was, uh, there were a lot of punks. Mm. Um, so yep. they're called punks, the punk scene, the skinhead scene, there was the, the mods, um, the new romantic scene. Um, but I was just sort of, I suppose I was Mr. Average, you know, jeans, t-shirts, and um, used to go to the movies, love going to the movies. And it was a time when uh, it was safe to have your doors unlocked. You know, it wasn't, mm. it was not huge sort of crime at that time. It was, it was safe. Uh, I played a lot of sports. I played what you would call soccer. You call it football. <laughs> football. You're uh, a baller. <laughs> Yeah, uh, we, I played tennis, um, went running, so yeah, all that sort of stuff. Um, yeah, I love I love sports, so that was a big part of my life. I, th- I think sports for me is so I'm so passionate about watching sports on TV, so I'm, I'm there watching most. I even watched your, your American Super Bowl the other day. Which oh, is that right? For the first time. <laughs> for the first time. So I really I stayed up late. Yeah. <laughs> Sorry, mate. No, so, no, I just um, I was just laughing. Yeah, it's it's um the um. The thing about the about American football that I love is just the intensity yeah. of the individual play. But I will say, I grew up playing. Yeah. I grew up playing football, your football, soccer, and um, oh, all and, right, right. Yeah, and so I think about the the intensity of uh, and people are going to laugh at me here. Because they probably disagree with me, but the intensity of a soccer yeah. match is you're on the yeah. move nonstop, and so it's a pretty yeah. it's a pretty surprisingly physical. And um, you know, it doesn't have yeah. the direct you know blows necessarily that football is known for, but uh, no, but no, it absolutely no. is a uh, physical sport. Yeah, it's full on. Yeah, it's full on. Um, it's but it's people are so passionate about it, you know, uh, about their team, and yes. um, it's like a religion over here. Right, it really is just Which just is like in America, just American like football. American football, right? So it's the it is that everyone has their their. Uh, their club, their team, right? They're, that they're beholden to. Yeah. And there's nothing you can do to get between them. <laughs> oh, no, no. So it's like family, religion, you know, and um, you just love it. And uh, what, what's, your, what's your football team over there? I'm, I'm curious. Uh, well, in, in Arizona, we have the Cardinals. Yeah. Right, yes, I've heard that. Yes, yeah, Cardinals. and they are, not the, oh. they are not the most winningest team, but we love them. Ah, why not? You've got to. That's what it's all, it's all about. Got to support, support the locals. Team. What's your what, yeah. what what soccer club or football club do you follow? Uh, since nineteen seventy seven, I supported Liverpool. That's my <laughs> since I was nine years old. Uh, Liverpool, so yeah, I yeah, I love <laughs> That's I awesome. love watching them. So. Yeah. yeah, I I've I've seen a few, you know, read stories and seen a few matches on television and and the, I don't know that there's any crowd that is more ruckus than a uh than a Liverpool a, a pan a, a fan a, a, a stadium full of Liverpool fans. Oh yeah. Yes, it's um it's that famous song I you probably know, you not you'll never walk alone, <laughs> which is such such an emotional song, it's a beautiful song and uh, people sing it all over the world, you know. It's like a I suppose during this time, in the time of COVID, we're you'll never walk alone. We're all looking out for each other. Right. Well, you like certainly aspirational. Certainly look forward to that. Right. That would be great. Mm. I feel like that's one of those things that we 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 need more of. And um, yes, for sure, yes, indeed. So, 
so it sounds like you had a, a pretty active childhood and, um, you know, what, um, you know, I know you got into, uh, into coaching, um, and, uh, and I'll tell you, it's yeah. funny when I, when I think of life coaching, um, it really, yeah. it, it always kind of, I don't know, I always kind of had a, uh, a little bit of a negative feeling toward it. Cause I'm like, I know what I'm doing. Sure. I don't need somebody to tell me how to live my life. Um, yes. but, yes. but as I, you know, and uh, we'll dig into your book here for sure. But, but as I, as I started reading through sure. your book and it, it really changed my frame of reference when I think about life coaching. Um, so tell me, oh, really? yeah, it really did. Tell me a little bit about your, um, uh, your perspective on life coaching and how did you end up, you know, down that path? Yeah. 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 Uh, to, to be honest with you, um, as a teenager, as a child, uh, I suffered really low self-esteem to be honest, Rain. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I did have low confidence. In, in fact, I probably had no confidence, um, to be honest with you. I thought that was just me. I was always comparing myself to others. Um, never felt good enough. I always thought, well, why would I want to ask that girl out mm. on a date? I'm not even allowed out. We had strict parents, you see, Rain. Mm. So... We weren't allowed out that much in the evenings, um, so I had to make do with all the time I could have in the weekends. So by the time I was 18 and I went to university, I I just discovered on the first night, I thought, wow, why are these, how come all these guys are so confident? They're mixing really easily. What, what's wrong with me? And that was my journey to start to, to decide that I need to change. I really need to change here. Well, let me ask I you. I didn't this, know what though. to do. I was. Let me, yeah, do, sure. let me ask you real quick. So I, I, I can say that there was a, a there was a time in my life when I had a very similar, uh, well, I, you know, there was moments when I feel the same way, right? Where I'm where I'm uh, overcome yeah. with doubt and and feel like um, I'm a, a fraud, right? Oh, and and yeah. it certainly was yeah. was flooded with insecurity as a young adult. And I'm wondering if that's a yeah. more common experience than. Then I would like as an individual, you know, you feel like you stand alone. But is that a, are you in your experience? Are you finding that that's a more common uh, backdrop for people than we realize? Yes, uh, especially these days, Ryan. Hmm. It's a huge problem in the UK. I'm sure it's like that in the states uh, where we're having teenagers. Of course, social media is a very good thing, but it can also be a very bad thing. Mm-hmm. Oh it, yeah. It, it then you know people over compare their lives to others and they're making suppositions and um, judgments. But it's it's something that, I, yeah, I thought I was the only one. And it's one thing that I hear a lot of people say, especially my clients, uh, they, they will say at one point, wow, I thought I was the only one mm-hmm. who felt like this. And it's like a massive relief when they hear that I'm not the only one, you know, and right. say I do workshops, right. And people are there in the workshops. They don't know each other, but during the workshop, I'll say, okay, stand up. Now, pair up. I want you to do this exercise. And when they discover that they're not the only ones to be feeling certain feelings, they, it's relief, but it's also, thank you. Thank you. Thank you. I didn't know. Mm-hmm. I didn't know. Mm-hmm. It just makes me feel better immediately. Yeah? Interesting. I, I think that's that's absolutely a compounding factor, right? Is this sense of isolation? Um, yeah. You know, not only do you, you know, not only do you feel like you know, the world's against you, or yeah. that you have this like overwhelming insecurity, mm. but you also feel like you're on an island by yourself, and that is such a yeah. uh, such a separator from 
the world, right? And and it's a it's a it's a complete misnomer about what's real out there. I think we're all, you know, we're all going through uh, this existential crisis, right? And there's a quote. Oh, see what page is it? And I'm, I'm going to dive into your book because I can't help myself here. I have it right in front of me um, on page 17. And um, there's mm. a quote you wrote. Uh, the, well, the question was, "What's the point of me?" And I think that is mm. such a a a pivotal point that at some point in our whole, each of us in our lives are asking ourselves, what is my purpose here? But when you think about the span of our galaxy, right? And the fact that we're on this, yes. this tiny rock really hurtling through space at a million mm. miles an hour. And, and we're part mm. of a system, which is one of tens of thousands of systems, or maybe even more hundreds of thousands mm. of other systems. Holy mm. mackerel. Does it make mm. you feel small? Right? Yes. Yes. And so I think about yes, that, it does. And, in, and, yeah, in terms of purpose. Yes, yes. I think, uh, you know, if we talk about purpose, I think everyone in life has a purpose. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> and they said there's, there's three important days in your life. The, the, the first day is when you're born. The second day is when you die. And the third day in between, hopefully, is when you find what you were here for, the purpose. Mm-hmm. Um, I wake every day and I, I'm... I'm, I know I'm living on purpose, life on purpose, but it took me some time to get there. Yeah. You know? uh, and that, that's really, that's the, for me, that's life. Serving uh, and living on purpose. I'm enjoying myself while I'm there. Well, so, uh, okay, so I, I, I talk about this a lot, I think. Uh, hopefully I don't belabor it on this podcast, but I talk about how important yeah. it is for us to have a, a personal mission, right? To identify your purpose. Yes. Because... Uh, you know, the joke I always make is that it's, you know, motivation is fleeting, right? I can watch a, a Rocky Balboa movie clip and, yes. and I'm fired up, yes. but the minute things get <clears throat> hard, Rocky Balboa is out of my head and, and now I'm just in my pain cave. And, and, it, yes. and I think when we have a, uh, an understanding of what our deeper purpose is, suddenly we have, yes. uh, the motivation comes more naturally, right? It's just yes. built into who yes. we are. Yes. So, so when you think yeah. about purpose, what, how do you, how did you arrive at what your yes. purpose is? Okay. So, you know, from a young age, I was very interested in psychology. Didn't know what, hmm. what, why or what. I was interested in the fables, philosophy. Um, I was interested in why people thought the way they, they thought, you know, especially people in sports. Hmm. Why are some winners like this? Why are people like this? And, and then in my twenties, I kept thinking, why do I think like this? This is nuts. Why am I thinking like this? I thought I needed to be committed. I just didn't know. I felt different. I felt disparate, separate. Uh, everybody seemed to be in crowds. By I, I was always a deep thinker. And <clears throat> I think uh, I went through a lot of pain in my childhood and in my 20s. And I had dark thoughts. And I did ask myself the question, what's the point of me? And it almost led me to looking for the rope. In fact, I did look for the rope, but I couldn't find any. Um and then I became an optometrist, which is um, an OD, an optometry doctor in the States. Mm-hmm. And people were always telling me the story, Rain. Always telling me the story. And I realized, I'm a good listener. What can I do with this? Hmm. What can I do with this? So I started thinking. Uh, and, I, and I knew I had to sort myself out first or attempt to move in that direction. <clears throat> and then I, I, th- I, I always knew that my purpose was along the lines of teaching, helping people, 
ascend to a, a new level of thinking uh, and um, actually falling in love with themselves, actually loving themselves, perhaps for the first time ever. Hmm. And th- that's my purpose. Hmm. That's my purpose. That's it's it. That's a. Uh, that's it's interesting that you to get from near suicide to identifying your purpose. And I think it, that put your wheels on the tracks um, was yes. having this, this moment yes. of crisis. Um, and I, you know, yeah. I would, I, I don't wish that on anybody because it is so, I, you know, I've no. had friends go through down that path and it is such a difficult path. Um, this idea, mm. the sense of hopelessness and, and this sense of despair. Um, but yes. if, you know, and, and you hear people say when, when people are, are, you know, there like, Hey man, uh, this will pass. But the problem is, is you can say mm-hmm. those platitudes, right? But the reality is that mm-hmm. there's work that has to be done in order for it to pass. It's not magic, mm-hmm. right? The clouds don't just mm-hmm. part. So how did, you know, so yes, I, they, I don't mean to pry personally, but how did you get, how did you get no. that difficult thing to lift? Mm-hmm. Because it sounds, it yeah, sounds easy, it's, but it's not. Yes, 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 you're right. Uh, a, lo- a very long time. Honestly, I wished I'd spoken to you know, you, at, the, at the outset of this, you talked about um, life coach. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't know if you know that the statistics indicate that 97% of coaches out there who call themselves coaches or life coaches are, are not qualified. Mm-hmm. They just call themselves a life coach. Okay. Um, 3% are actually qualified, they've actually gone to the training. So I, I, I knew I had to start on myself. I knew I was, I was up and down. I was thinking, why am I not? For example, I went out with a, I dated a girl. I was living with her for three years, and she used to go out for dinner with other couples, especially the people she worked with. And I only went out. I think I only ever went and met them once in three years. I was just too painfully, I don't know if you want to call it shy or introverted or not confident. But I remember the conversation. I used to have myself, which was, well, why would they want to talk to me? Um, they're all studying their PhD. They're going to be in a different field than me. They're, they're going to know more than me. I'm not going to, you know, I'm going to feel left out. And that fear of feeling left out, Rain, mm-hmm. the fear of not being good enough, really hurt me. And I, I, I mean, it broke up our relationship, really, in the end. Um, so I started thinking about, I need, to, I need to work on me. I really need to, I start, so I started reading books, like a lot of people do, Rain. Yeah. They read these days self-help books. Yeah, you know. Um, I started reading Tony Robbins from the States, uh, Robin Sharma. I started reading uh, Attitude Is Everything by Keith Harrell. He's a was an American speaker. Um, suddenly departed, and I started to feel good in moments. I started to see glimpses of light, and it's from these glimpses of light I started to think about right. I want to learn more. Uh, and then as I learned more, I decided, mm, I want to do this. This is what I want to do. And I will do it for nothing. I'll do it for free. This is, what I, this is what I did initially in my career. I did it for free. I wanted to be good at it, to know more, learn more, and help people, and not charge until I think I was ready um, and um, good enough in my own head to help people. And uh, yeah, it's, that's how it started. Really. I was training to be a coach, learning, um, the disciplines, 
um, and I became a master coach. And during that time, when you train to be a coach, actually, Ryan, you um, you do have to go through your own shit. You have to you have yeah. to let go of a lot of stuff and work on it. Yeah, that I mean that that makes sense, right? You can. <laughs> it doesn't do you any good to be to be uh, trying to help somebody else out when you don't actually live the principles yourself. Um, yeah, you know, that idea that yes. you know you'd be just a fraud, and that doesn't help anybody. Yes. Um, no, <laughs> no, you're yeah. not. Well, yeah, so let, yeah. so let me ask you. So the, the the title of your book is "Let It Go." Yeah, and um, you know, I brought, yeah. I, I got the book and I had it on my kitchen counter, and my son, who's uh, in his early twenties, comes in and he's like, "What? Yeah. You know, what's that supposed to mean, right?" And it, because because <laughs> when you read "Let It Go," it it, it does come off as a Ooh. very um, overly simplified concept, right? You know, hey, yes. things get yes. hard. Let it go. That sounds like a very yes. quippy and easy uh, task. But yes. you know, when you dig yes. in, when you dig into the pages of your book, it, I suddenly began to realize that this is not a quip. It is a much deeper principle. Um, but that that yeah. that principle requires a lot of work to execute. Um, yeah. Yeah. So tell me more about that. How how do we do do we as individuals overcomplicate it, or is it really uh, simple but not easy? Okay, well, we're, we're emotional creatures. You know, we, we live and die with our emotions. And what I identified was with working with clients since about 2004 was everything they've ever gone through in their life, they've, they've had and they've overcome. They've had to let go of something, uh, whether it be a thought, whether it be an uh, a feeling of anger or resentment, whether it be a, um, a fear of something happening. But the common thread was that once they let go of something, it starts a domino effect. Uh, and this domino effect would end up with them actually having aha moments. Hmm. Um, these aha moments are so powerful, it would transform somebody's belief about who they thought they were. So they thought that they weren't lovable. And then they, they suddenly decided, hold on, I am lovable. I am as good as the next person. I am worthy of a loving relationship. But they didn't before. It was something that was hidden under the surface, which made them feel not, not worthy in this case. So mm. the, the, the let it go is a philosophy, really, philosophy of life, Rain, okay. which is um, what in your life? Oh, put it this way. This is a question I ask to every single person I've ever worked with. Um, which is, if you could delete, press a red button and delete all the um, bad stuff in your life that you keep thinking about, that's happened in the past that you keep thinking about, how would you feel if you could delete that, press the button today? And people say, usually one of these four things, they say, I feel relieved. I feel lighter, I feel happy, and the final one is I feel free. Hmm. So it's, yes, it's a very, very simple, it is very simple in terms of philosophy, but it's, it's, it can be applied to anything from, um, say, Rain, you had a conversation with a colleague early this week, uh, and it didn't go your way, and you're still annoyed at it, and you're still playing it in your head, the, the next day, even though the incident's gone, and you're still talking about it on Wednesday, and by Thursday you're, you're telling you know your your your, um, 
best friend about this person who cheesed you off earlier this week. Uh, even though the incident is gone and it's all been resolved, you're still talking about it. It's still playing on your head, you know? So if you were to, say, adopt the philosophy, okay, let it go now. It's gone. Right. Rather than just talk about it, reinforce it, reinforce it, which is not good for your health, by the way, because you start to get worked <laughs> up inside. Um, <laughs> so that's uh, that's just a simple thing that that um, you can apply to, or it could be applied to... Uh, I had... Um, people on my courses over the years who experienced relationship, marriage, breakdown, traumas, and then they just couldn't get over the anger or the resentment towards their old partner. But when they learned, hold on now, if I don't let go of this person, if I, if I remain in anger or resentment at this person, that means I'm handcuffed to this person for as long as I do that until I, until I just let go, which is, Stop hating them. Stop resenting them. Because otherwise, I'm focused on them in the yeah. past. And they discovered, wow, okay, I don't agree with what they did to me, but I do allow myself to move on. And that's the point of release. So letting go is all about release. And it's also about, uh, it applies to the future as well, Ray. And people say, well, how does it apply to other parts? Well, the future, which is sometimes we'll say stuff, Rain, like, I will be happy when I get a new car. Mm. I'll be happy when my business takes off. I'll be happy when I find myself a wife. These are I've said the common thread things. is I will. <laughs> yeah, I will. <laughs> I will be happy. So you're saying unconsciously, oh, I'm not happy. I'm not mm. happy. Mm-hmm. I will be happy because whatever comes out of our mouth, Rain, is actually conveying what's going on under the surface, which people don't realize until what comes out of your mouth. So let it go is about letting, just letting go of the future as well. Just trust, trust. Uh, and it's something that I've had to learn to do. And when I work with, say, anxiety sufferers um, or people who have or, or consider themselves to be over-warriors, they say, oh, I'm always over-worrying, David, always overthinking. Well, overthinking, if you, if you just examine it, is over-questioning and thinking about the future. It's always based on what you think is going to happen, what you don't think is in your control. You want to control it. Uh, and if you can let go of that, you can, you can live such a more peaceful life because we can't control others. That's true. You simply can't. And in the book, you, you've probably seen this, the power statement in the book. It says um, you can't control what you can't change and you can't change what you can't control. And I believe that. You can't control the weather. Neither right. can we control the guy driving down the road. We just trust that he's not going to swerve into us. We trust he's going to drive past us. Hmm. You know, so we. So, so I have a question, real quick, though. So, you, you mentioned yeah, sure. you mentioned the question about you know if you could push a if you could push a button and change these things that happened in the past. Yeah. And I immediately started to consider the the multitude of lessons that I've grown, the ways I've grown because of my trials. Yeah. Right. So, yeah. yeah. Are there things yeah. that I would like to wipe out? Sure. But I, but I start to think to myself, man, if I get rid of those moments and I don't mean to, I can't say let it go because I think it's, I think it's different. If I, if I just wipe those out, like they never happened, I don't know that I'd be any happier. Yeah. I certainly wouldn't be where I am today. Yeah. Right. I think yeah. that. No, could, I get you. Yeah. What, I, what, what I was referring to is if you could delete, okay, I'll, I'll rephrase that. 
if you could delete the bad stuff that's happened in the past, but keep the learnings. Okay, fair enough. <laughs> um, which is, which is, um, what I mean is delete the bad past. Is delete delete the pain because you don't need to feel the pain anymore. Um, somebody's been, for example, you know, when I failed, say, professional exams at some point in my life, mm. and I was an optometrist, mm-hmm. I went through a lot of pain. But I look back at it and thinking, no, if I didn't go through that, that wouldn't have helped me build up my resilience, uh, my fortitude, and my do whatever it takes attitude. It's part of that, you know. Yeah. So yeah, keep that. But if you could release the pain, how do you feel? How do you feel? And uh, all those events. And people just say, but I get your point. I, I do get your point because who we are is based on what we've been through and uh, how we've interpreted it, which is, which is the essence of, um, I'll put it another way. A lot of people actually, Rain, don't like who they are. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I'm saying to them, right, okay, if you don't like who you are, let's work on who do you think you are. And then... What, what we do then is deconstruct who they think they are and reconstruct who they actually are, right. which is, for me, we're pure love. We're just love. We're here to love on this planet uh, and to live in peace. Hmm. It sounds simple. Uh, it's difficult to actually um, execute because there's so many factors which influence us externally. Right. So that, therefore, well, we have to go within and say, right, okay, I love me. Let me start with me. Right. So you the <clears throat> you talk about the blueprint, right? And I think about the yeah. And this is a foundational part of this, right? Because it's the it, it, it's the yes. imprinting of all these different events we've had in our lives that are that that yes. that we live with, right? That that shape who we are and shape our decisions and shape the thoughts that are in our head. Um, negative thoughts. And, you know, and as I'm thinking about this, the, the idea of what would I cut away from my life, I, I hear what you're saying and I'm kind of going back here a little bit, but I hear what you're saying about this idea that if we, the lessons that we've learned, good, but we have to, we have to release ourselves from the, uh, we have to forgive and, and that lightens us, right? The burden of, of holding on to anger and, and, uh, disappointment yeah. and whatever, like, you know, I, yeah. I immediately thought yeah. of like promotional processes where, you know, in my recent, you know, not too far past where I was like, I feel yeah. like I was the most qualified, but I wasn't selected. Okay. Um, yeah. it doesn't, it doesn't serve me to be angry about that, uh, or to be frustrated about it, yeah. but it, but it does serve me to reflect yeah. and to go, okay. What did I, what can I learn from this particular event? Which I think is a lot, very similar to what you're talking about with like the examinations or whatever. It's, it's letting go of the difficulty of it, but, but taking from it the the ways in which you can grow and change your narrative, right? Your own self-talk and narrative, which kind of takes me to what you talk about in the book in in the blueprint. So this seems like a really foundational concept, the blueprint piece. Can you speak to that a little bit? Of course, of course. Um, We're born... You know, from the first minute we're born, um, we are experiencing information from around us. So we're a little baby, and then we we are picking up sounds and seeing light because a baby can't see straight away; everything's a blur. And we start to learn. That's is day zero, minute zero. We're starting to learn information from around us in our senses, and then as we start to grow, we start to see and hear. So we start to garner information from those two people who usually bring us up, our parents 
or whoever brings it up, and we start learning um, stuff about the world. Why is what's that? That's the sky. What what's that sky? It's blue. What yeah. color is that? It's the grass. It's green. And we get information, and we sto- we're storing information rain from the time we were born, and then we start to picture the world according to who we are, who we think we are. So between the age of zero to seven, we we are um, literally everything our parents say is gospel. Everything they say, we just believe, and we ask them questions, we're curious, and they give us answers, mm-hmm. and uh, we, we listen to what they're saying. We also observe. So we might see dad and mum arguing and feel that energy, that negative energy. We might see mum screaming at dad. Um, we might see things on TV, which are horrific. But we're picking all this information up and we're making, trying to make sense of it. And we're picking up uh, attitudes from mum and dad and behaviors. And this happens before the age of seven. And after seven, then we spend um, a lot more time where we're in school so then we're influenced by our teachers, we influence our beliefs uh, and our, our peers. And then uh, from 14 onwards, we're more influenced than by the world at large these days, social media, books, magazines, movies. So we're forming uh, a blueprint, which is our mental construct, uh, our story about the world and where we fit in it. Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. the blueprint then, it contains our values, what we think is important to us. Uh, our beliefs, you know, do we believe in God or not? Uh, do we believe um, that um, Russians are evil, mad people, or blacks are less intelligent, whatever? We have all these beliefs about the world and the people around us. And this has been, this information has been given to us, and we make make sense of it and process it, and we it forms what we call a belief. Uh, and then we have our um, if you can imagine the blueprint to be like a filing cabinet, and these drawers have information. So those beliefs are in one drawer, values are in another drawer, then we have memories in another drawer, um, we have our fears, which start to pile up mm. in another drawer, and then we have um, our, what I call toxic thoughts, thinking trap in another drawer. Uh, and these form our, this blueprint then generates our thoughts about the world. And it's usually developed to a, to a level around the age of 18 to 20 years old when we, we, we seem to think we know who we are in this world. We're not sure why we're here, but we are trying to process what to do in this world. And we, we are kind of independent. So you might have a person who turns up at the age of 18 and, like I was, not very confident. Why wasn't I very confident? Why did I think the way right. I do? That's exactly because the question I I'm asking. <laughs> I, yeah, I believed I didn't. I wasn't worthy. I believed I wasn't um, likable, uh, good enough. But where did these come from? Well, it it came from the early years uh, when, in my case, I was sort of humiliated in school, bullied in school, uh, may have been beaten by one of my parents, embarrassed, and things like that, and this sort of chips away at your confidence. Uh, and it's, if you imagine the blueprint to be something like software, it's software of a computer. Uh, and uh, every computer in this world, almost every computer, has, an, uh, has uh, Windows, whereas Macs, uh, MacBooks have a different operating system. But the operating system is, 
pretty much the same, which means that it's the the whole hardware runs using the software. And our blueprint is our software, which runs our world. And it contains all the information that we've ever learned, including A, B, C, D, how we learn to write, how we learn to spell, our language skills, our learning skills, and our, our ability to drive our car. That's all in the blueprint. So it's there that it's there to allow us to see and operate in the world. So you and I may go out one night, for example, mm-hmm. and say say you were a social anxiety person. You was you just didn't like to go out. And you say, oh, David, no. I'll, I'll say, why, why, why? We're going to a restaurant, right? And you might say, my heart's starting to race already. Why? Oh, I, I feel uncomfortable going in public places. Why? And the question is, you weren't born like that. But what happened is something happened in your past which caused your blueprint to change. So so your blueprint lights up. It's almost it lights up and sends a signal down to your adrenal glands which light up and start producing adrenaline and causes your hands to become sweaty and your heart to race when you think about social activities because something happened in the past and it's recorded in your blueprint. So... In the book, it, it describes the blueprint, but it also describes what it does. It produces your thoughts, feelings, and behavior. In this case, your thought was, ooh, David just said, let's go out uh, and have a bite to eat. Feeling, ooh, I don't know, I don't feel safe. Who's going to be out there? Am I going to be, it could be, am I going to be attacked? Somebody's going to come up to me. What's going to happen? And the feeling, the behavior is, I don't really know if I want to go out. So we have this generating system which produces our thoughts and, and behaviors. My question in the book is, can a person change their blueprint? Uh, and having worked as a coach for almost 20 years, I'd say, yes, you can change your blueprint. You can change as a person. Right. Well, you, you have to be able to, right? So, I mean, when, I think that a lot of what's in that blueprint are these... these uh, uh, the only thing that comes to my mind is the, the, the lies that we tell ourselves about who we are and what we're capable of and, and what's possible. And, yeah. you know, I, I think of my own personal yes. example when I, um, you know, I did, I did not do well in school, uh, through elementary school and yes. high school. And sure. But when I got into my adult life, um, uh, I met and married my now wife and you know, one of the things that right. she said to me was, she's like, well, I'm going to go to, I'm going to school. We were very young. We were in our, our early twenties. I says, well, I'm going to go to college cool. and get a degree. And I was like, oh yeah, good for you. And she's like, you need to as well. And I'm like, who me? Oh yeah. No, I don't think you understand who I am. Right. I was a Marine at the time. I'm mm. like, no, I'm a great Marine. Uh, this is what, this is my thing right here. Mm. This is my jam. I don't, academia is not for me. Right. Well, mm. I slowly mm. started to put my toe in the water because I had somebody in my life who was telling me, no, you, you can do this and really changed my mm. personal narrative. And then when I got in mm. uh, to the groove and began seeing some mm. success, um, you know, you, you get a couple of A's on some papers and you're like, I'm a freaking genius. I can yeah. do <laughs> <laughs> and, and you suddenly begin, yeah. you begin to change your narrative, right? Well, now I, you know, you know yes. fast forward now, I have a master's degree in public administration, Fantastic. right? Yeah, Fantastic. it's and and the thing is, is like if you'd asked me when I was in high school if that was even remotely possible, possible. the answer the answer would be mm. no way, 
not for you, you big mm-hmm. dummy, right? So my personal narrative, yeah. my blueprint, if you will, was was torn yes. up and thrown out and rewritten um, as I as yes. I grew up yes. as an adult, right? So I think you're you are totally right. It yeah. can change. Um, and in my case, I think mm-hmm. it took somebody who was willing to see something in me that I didn't see in myself uh, to point that out. Yes. So I think this is where. Yes, and that's a great, great question. You said that you know a great statement. Sorry, somebody else saw what you didn't see, mm-hmm. uh, and and when we when we can see who we really can be, it's it's transformative. Yes. Like your blueprint is changing now, and then you know you know you're far better than you thought you were at one point in your life. Right. Um, in in terms of education and learning, and you know you so your belief system is ripped up. You that took this ultra thick book, ripped it up with your bare hands, and then you installed a new system. Right. And now if anybody says to you, you know, uh, can you do this? You say, and there's no hesitation. Of course I can do it. I've done it before. Right. I can do it again. Yes. Uh, and, and, and moreover, it's, 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 for me, it's allowed me to um, overlay that onto other things. Right? Someone's like, yes. hey, can you put together yes. a presentation yes. and, and present it to a group of people? Yeah. Do I know anything about yes. the topic? No. Okay. I'll figure it out. Like, so, <laughs> right. Like I, yes, my, my, exactly. my willingness exactly. to step out there has, has evolved and grown and changed. And I like to think some yeah. of that is just maturity, but it's also, I think, um, to your, to, to, to your whole purpose and point here is that it was about me, mm-hmm. um, getting in and, and, uh, changing my narrative, but, but actually going and doing that and, and struggling through, I, you know, I won't say that it was easy. Uh, it was, uh, I remember sitting, looking at my, you know, the blinking cursor on my key, on my computer, uh, for hours at a time yeah. trying to write papers. And, and you know, yeah. it was not an easy, you know, I didn't flip a switch and suddenly I was able to write at a graduate level. It freaking took a lot of work. Um, and that, yeah. uh, yeah. And, and so when I think about, us being able to impact our lives. And, it, and that, you know, I look further into your book here and I go, Hey, there's, there's exercises in here and there's processes, yes. right? So in my case, my yeah. wife said, you can do this. And I said, okay, I'll give it a shot and started working toward it. You know, 10 years later, bachelor's yeah. degree, you know, 13 years later, master's degree. Yes. It took time. Yeah. So how do yes, you, yes, yes, so, absolutely. so talk to me about that process. Like, cause for me it happened yes. organically, right? But you know, the yes, idea, yes, yes. you know, you're, you have a job because there's people out there who come to you and say, Hey, help me get through this process. Yes. So what does that yes, process yes, look yes. like? Yes. Yeah, of course. I mean, uh, for example, I'll give, when I work with a person, if somebody comes to me and says, listen, I really need help. Um, I'm 50 years old. I'm crying all the time. My wife can't understand it. I'm a successful person in business. They're 50. But it turns out that. They're, just, they're, and they're 50 years old. It's too late. Is that what you tell them? <laughs> <laughs> uh, and and what, what, what happens, the change process is, okay, be super aware that something is wrong. And then go about finding out how you're feeling uh, about that. So it could be that um, somebody's out there feeling lost. They're feeling hopeless because they can't find a life partner. All their relationships are a disaster. So I, I might see someone who's, who, who says that life is a disaster. Every relationship I have is a disaster. Mm. It just doesn't work out. And then I will say, okay, let's think about this. What's going on? And then they, we, the, the process starts with awareness because with self-awareness, right, you, you get this feeling of, okay, I'm at first base. Mm-hmm. I know what's wrong now. 
And I'm and the second basis then is acknowledging I am a people pleaser or I am a self sabotager. I keep doing this all the time. There's a reason why people are self sabotagers and, and people pleasers. Oh, well, there are multiple reasons actually. So one reason for people pleasing could be that in all if you people please, people like you, which is a form of love. So a lot of people pleasers out there are doing it because they want to be liked. They want to be, or or they don't, they do not not want to be liked. So they people please. Mm. So that's one of the reasons why we people please. Um, in terms of self sabotage, it's a protective mechanism. You might self sabotage because you're afraid of being hurt. So I remember a, a guy coming up to me and saying, "Listen, I always seem to my relationships always seem to." die out after the 18-month mark. Mm. And then we found out that he was self-sabotaging it. Around the 12th, 13th month mark, he was self-sabotaging it, and they would just die out because he did not want to be hurt. Mm. Um, so that's, that's, the, that's part of the change process. The, the next part is then realizing, right, I want, to make, I want to change. After you acknowledge it, you have to make a decision, uh, Rain, about change, which is, okay, I've decided to change because... If I ask you or anyone else or myself, is there any time in our life that we made a decision which actually took quite a long time to make, to come to that decision, when we could have made it years before, but we just didn't trust the process. We didn't trust making that decision, you know? Mm -hmm. We thought about it and thought about it and thought that would be good, and, but we didn't do anything about it. So make a decision. And after you make a decision, go to work on, okay, what do I want to change about myself? What do I need to change? Clearly, I don't believe that I'm lovable. Clearly. Or clearly, I don't believe I'm good enough. Where did that come from? And start to look at it. And you may, you may not even know where it came from. But to even start the process, so the, the process would start as get a pen and paper and start to write down what are your overlying, overlaying thoughts. Write down a conversation. Uh, it's called expressive writing. Um, where you write for 20 minutes, non-stop, non-edited, about what's on your mind right now. Uh, and that's, that will indicate to you in that, in that script, what you unedited write, exactly how you think. So you, you're, you're going in really deep here into, as you call it, the narrative. Mm -hmm. um, I call it the conversation. It's the same thing. Yeah. Where the most important conversation we ever have with us is with ourselves. It starts when we wake up, and it stops when we go to bed, so, or so we think. Something interesting about that, though, David, is that you have to be willing. Yeah. You have to. You have to be honest. So honest, and and that's, man, yes. that that seems like a, that's a hard thing to do, right? I, I think so much of our lives, we we tell ourselves these these lies um, that are. Yes. Uh, are not we're not being fully honest with ourselves about who we really are and what our strengths and weaknesses are. Yes. And um yes. You know, yes. I remember yes. getting in arguments with my wife early in our marriage. I, I probably still do this, but I I would get to a breakover point where I realized that she was right and that I was wrong, but that I I was not my ego was not, I was not willing to give up the argument. Um, so I would fight and fight and fight and argue and argue and argue because I wasn't willing to subjugate my ego and say, you know what? Stop. You're absolutely right. I made a mistake here, here, and here. Um, and I think that's, you know, I like to think that I've 
grown up a little bit, but I still, these are still things that, that plague me <laughs> from time to time. Right. You know, my wife will tell me all the time, like here, how 28 years we've been married and we still have these moments where we are learning to communicate with each other or where we're learning to, uh, be thoughtful and kind and loving to one another. And I think a lot of that has to do with ego and a willingness to acknowledge, uh, a flaw in ourselves or yeah. in our, in our um, thinking, in our whatever behavior. Yeah. And it's, 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 it's great to be, I would say, you know, it's great to be vulnerable. Mm-hmm. It's great to, to, it's powerful that you can put your feelings out there and speak to your wife and say, listen, I'm wrong. Or listen, I need help. Uh, because as guys, mm-hmm. we, you know, we're often brought up to be thinking like, okay, do not show any weakness. Um, do not show feelings. Admit you're wrong because it's a sign of emasculation. Um, you feel disempower- disempowered. But the truth truth is, you know, apart from being men and women, we're human beings and we are spiritual beings mm-hmm. in this body. And and when we when we are communicating with someone, they're we're not better than them. They're not better than us. It's just what we're thinking at that time that separates us. So. If I'm wrong in the past, I would, I would try and fight my corner to even pretend I was right, lie to myself and try and win the argument, just like, just like mm-hmm, yourself. Mm-hmm. But then I came, to the, I came to the decision where I'm thinking, no, it's exhausting trying to be something you're not. Well, and th- this applies. And we this applies in the, that. this applies in the workplace too, right? Because we get in yeah, difficult difficult situations, and um, where we're like, mm. "No, I am absolutely right," and 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 I am not going to set aside my decision here or my thought or my idea because it it might make yeah. me quote look weak in front of my peers yeah. or in front of my subordinates or or whatever. Yeah. Um, and so we don't, yeah. we don't get out of our own way. And instead of allowing somebody yeah. else to have a, to be right or whatever, um, it actually, yeah. I, I think it makes us, it makes us uh, weaker and less of a capable leader in that regard yes. right? because we, we are letting our ego get in the way of us. There's a great quote I heard a long time ago. It's ego eats brains. Yeah. And I think it, I yeah, think it, it applies it, you know, right here. <laughs> yeah, of course. I mean, it's not a problem. We're on this earth for a finite amount of time why waste time wasting time right so you talk about toxic thoughts and i think this kind of plays into this a lot right so that the ego is one component of that um get we won't get out of our own way and be honest with ourselves but then there's these 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 toxic things that we tell ourselves that really tear us apart so tell me more about that yeah of course i mean we have um if you just sit down with someone and uh, they might just blame, blame the world, complain, judge, criticize, you can hear it in just the way they speak and you can feel it. Uh, you could be sitting down having a cup of coffee with someone and if they do that for half an hour, you, you're, going to left, you're going to be left drained, which means that it is toxic to your energy because we are living energetic beings and we love to be around people who are motivating, supporting, loving, encouraging. But the minute we're around someone who's toxic, who makes you feel bad or makes you feel bad about the world, they literally are like a a vacuum cleaner. They're sucking up your energy. Mm. You you do feel drained and you feel exhausted and mentally exhausted. And when you see that person again walking down the street, you want to avoid them because you 
you don't avoid them. You want to avoid the way they made you feel last time you spoke to them. Right. So we so toxic thinking is negative thoughts um, which just disrupt your feeling of love, joy, freedom, abundance, um, looking at the good in life. And toxic toxic thinking is uh, you could be saying to someone, "Rain, wow." I'm going to start my own business soon. I really want to do this. And, and when your best friend says, ah, no, you're never going to make it. No, there's no room for that in this town. Mm. So that's a toxic thought. Mm. It's not supportive, encouraging. Um, so there, we have to catch ourselves being toxic. We have to catch ourselves pouring scorn. And the first person we have to, to catch ourselves with, Rain, is ourselves. Okay. You know, sometimes we wouldn't talk to our dog the way we talk to ourselves. Mm. That's a good point. I'm very mean to my dog. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, so yeah. that's so you talk. You, you know, you um, there's a couple of things I want to touch on that I think are really interesting in your book. Uh, you talk about power statements, yeah. and my first thought when I when yeah. I read that portion was um, was like, oh, yeah. this is just positive affirmations. And, um, and then I yeah. read a little bit further and you're like, it's not positive affirmation. <laughs> so, so how, how this, like this idea that we're going to put a thought down on paper, on a sticky note, put it on the, yeah. on the bathroom mirror yeah. and reinforce this to it. How is yeah. that different than a positive affirmation? Yeah, yeah, sure. Well, you know, traditionally people, coaches, et cetera, would say, you know, say this every day. I'm happy. I'm happy. I'm wealthy. I'm wealthy. I'm positive. Which is, to be honest, is BS. It's absolute BS. Mm -hmm. Because um, a part of you will say, oh, no, you're not. No, you're not. No, you're not. You're not wealthy. Who says you are? But if you, if you look at the, um, the power statements, they're actually, they're like, mini, they're like mini grenades. They're there to be thrown into your subconscious mind to disrupt it, to disrupt the way you think and feel. Uh, and it, it, in the book, as you, you've seen, uh, there's power statements like, let it go. Does it matter? Um, the past does not define me. Um, the only variable I can control is myself. And those are subconsciously directed grenades into your subconscious so that you change from the inside out. And the reason I, I mentioned post-it notes is because during private client sessions over the years, I had asked clients, I, I would say, listen, I want you to put this, this, and this on a post-it note and get back to me in two weeks' time. And these people were changing from the inside out. Hmm. So I wasn't telling them to write things like, I, I am happy, I'm happy. They weren't doing that. They were writing these, these very, very um, different type of statements. Like, um, I'm not better than you, you're not better than me. Which clearly means we are all equal. But it's not writing down on a post note, we are all equal, we are all equal. Because part, uh, part of your inner voice might, might say, we're not all equal, we're not equal. If you write down, I'm not better than you, you're not better than me. The subconscious has some work to do to, to work out. What's that mean? What does mm. that mean? Oh, we're equal. Okay, and you carry on. The post-it note is related to this conversation, um, the narrative, as you mentioned earlier on. When we wake up in the morning, you see, Rain, we reach out. Most people reach out for to find out what time it is, and usually by their smartphone. Mm -hmm. And this, the, then the conversation starts. But the post-it note is designed to be there in your face, first thing in the morning, in your face um, by where you're sleeping. So you wake up and you see something like life is non-emergency. That's one of the um, power statements or let it go. 
Okay, so you look at it, okay, fine. You just look at it, glance at it, walk on into the bathroom. You're doing your things there, you're brushing your teeth. Again, you'll see in the corner of your eye, one of the power statements saying, does it matter? Does it matter? So it's slowly influencing your subconscious mind. So let me give you an example of this. Uh, I've, ha- I've held courses for years, uh, six to eight with courses on the Let It Go program. And uh, there was one lady, I think it's in the book, one lady who was being bullied in the workplace. And mm-hmm. because she was being bullied, she, she was not a, an assertive person. She wasn't the type of person to fight back. But she came on my course and she was learning things as she went along and she she done the power statements. And after about three or four weeks of, of the power statements on her wall, in her kitchen, her, her bathroom, etc., she was walking through the office one day and this the bully was was coming towards her. The person was bullying her. And the bully stopped her and started saying their usual claptrap, the usual BS. Mm-hmm. But on this occasion... This person, uh, my client, she put a hand up and said, do not ever speak to me like that again. Because just before that, what had flashed up in her mind was one of those power statements. The, I'm not better than you, you're not better than me. That flashed up. She, she mentioned to me, she said, David, that flashed up in my mind. It was like a jolt of electricity flew through my body. I put my hand up, palm face, facing out to this person. I said, don't ever speak to me like that again. Yeah. ever otherwise i will report you and the person who was uh, the bully was so shocked at this new positive dynamic behavior that they never ever bullied her again it was like a new behavior had been installed right and it was all because she had seen this she hadn't stood in front of the power statement reciting it over and over again she just seen she had just seen it on the wall you know hmm. but it had tr- it had triggered off this massive jolt of confidence and to answer your question, finally, is that with these power statements, some will mean some, some will resonate with you more than it would with, say, your wife. Okay? It all depends on where you are in your life. Right. Um, they, were, they were born out of years and years of sessions with clients, and I found out which worked and which didn't. Then I used them in workshops. Uh, and it's just like, honestly, it's like putting the, throwing a grenade in the subconscious and, and disrupting it. It's, it's, they're, they're um, very useful. Very, very useful. Excellent. Yeah. Well, I can, I, I, there's, you. there's so much more, David, in your book, uh, these exercises that walk you through the self-analysis. And, you know, I know you, like you just, mm. you know, we just spent an hour talking about this process and, and the fact that I think the first thing that anybody listening to this needs to recognize is that. All of us, um, we're all on a journey and, and we are all, we all have room to grow. And I think it really starts with self-analysis, right? And uh, an honest personal reflection of who we are and what, you know, to speak your language here, what our blueprint is and, and what we can do, uh, what, what is the negative, uh, conversation or narrative in that blueprint and how can we reconstruct mm. it right starting with that honest yeah honest evaluation of who we are and what we're doing and what we're trying to accomplish and what our objective in life is right if we you know if we're perfectly happy and we real and we're honest about that we're like no yeah i'm satisfied this is good then that's wonderful but yeah. I, I would submit to you that yeah. we all have room to grow um and, and what i really love about yeah. your book is the 
there's um, there's anecdotes here that that express um, all these different concepts and, and kind of walk you through real life examples of it. Um, and then there's exercises, yeah. um, and we didn't even touch on um, the half of what's inside this book here. From you know, as far as concepts well, and, and some thinking, and uh, it's great. So um, I would tell anybody you, to get out and and get a copy of this book. Um, thank uh, you. Mine is tabbed up and highlighted and and um, and well well worn already <laughs> and and uh, you know you mentioned oh, in the brilliant. book you mentioned in the book that uh, one of the things that you need to do is read it set it down for a couple of weeks and then come back and reread it and I'm like yeah. yep that's yeah. what you need to do because there's so much in here you can't possibly <laughs> yeah. uh, glean it all the first pass um, so yeah so David I really really appreciate you taking the time and 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 writing this book and oh, uh, and taking you. the time to thank sit you. and chat with me about it uh, where can um, where will folks find you uh, if they want to get a copy of your book, if they want to see more of the stuff that you're working yeah. on? Where would they find you on social yeah. media, et cetera? Thank you. Yeah. Um, social media, I'm on Instagram, David underscore Rahman, R-A-H-M-A-N. Um, I'm on uh, Facebook, Mind Coach, and um, my website's david-rahman.com. And the, the book is, yeah, it's available everywhere, the usual places like Amazon, et cetera. So... So yeah, it's uh, no, it's been a pleasure talking. Really, really great questions, actually, Rain. Great oh, questions. Thanks. Thank you, my friend. Oh, I really, really appreciate your time. Absolutely. I'd love to. I'd love to come to uh, Arizona one day. Love to do that, actually. Um, oh well, when you get here, I'll I'll uh, I'll take you on my favorite hike, and we'll uh, and we'll do another podcast. Oh, session. brilliant, brilliant man, brilliant. Thank you so much. That's all we have for today. Thanks for tuning in. Special thanks to David Raman for sitting down and sharing the thoughts and ideas that he's crafted in this book and the, the lessons that we can use to improve uh, our own lives to help us be better and more capable and more effective uh, all the way around. If you're enjoying this podcast, go to whatever platform you enjoy best Subscribe and this podcast will drop in the middle of the night when you least expect it. Go over to the Apple Podcast, rate and review. Uh, feel free to email me, make a comment. Uh, that feedback is absolutely invaluable and helps me uh, find ways to, uh, to develop and improve the, the podcast. So now, go on out there and get some. Um,